Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And this is sort of an impromptu breaking news podcast that we're doing, isn't it, Landon? This is. It's right hot off the press. <laughs> hot off the press. That's right. Probably most of you know already that yesterday uh, the lawsuit was officially filed by five women against Tim Ballard and the Operation Underground Railroad. Um, the documents were filed in the third district court, and a lot of us have gotten a hold of them. There have been articles coming out already, news stories, but we thought we were already reading through everything, weren't we, Landon? So we're like, you know what? Let's just do some of this on the podcast. Um, it might be of interest to some people as we go through some of these things. Now, of course, we're not lawyers, are we, Landon? <laughs> I'm not. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. And we're taping this late at night. So I feel even like I have even half a brain less than what I normally have. But we're definitely going to go through this because it's so interesting. And I know a lot of people are going to be covering this. So as I said, the suit was filed by five women yesterday and we have the documents here. So we're going to start out just by reading sort of the general summary that's at the beginning of the suit. Um, it's titled Tim Ballard's Victims File Lawsuit. And Landon, why don't you read the first two paragraphs and then, then I'll read the next two and we'll take it from there okay today five women filed a lawsuit in the third judici judicial district court of utah against tim ballard our ballards and our's affiliated companies and the board of our the complaint accompanies this press release each of the five women provided their own statement that sets forth in painful detail how tim ballard manipulated and sexually assaulted them under the guise of fighting childhood trafficking the women have used pseudonyms in an effort to protect them from the zealous defenders of Ballard and his organizations. Some of these women reported their stories to OUR and were ignored and silenced. As a result, Tim Ballard was not exposed by OUR for what he truly is, a sexual predator. These five brave women have come forward now because they want the world to know the truth. They believe that the public should understand who Tim Ballard is and how he used donor money before making any future decisions about supporting his organizations. It is expected that additional lawsuits by additional victims will be filed in the upcoming month. It is also known that there are additional victims that are still weighing whether to come forward. The five women that have filed this lawsuit ask that you give, whew, the screen's moving, that you give those still struggling with whether to come forward the time and space to process what has happened to them and to determine what future course of action they desire to take. And I'll just read the last paragraph here. The tragic irony is not lost on these five women that Tim Ballard literally trafficked them for his own sexual and egotistical gratification, all while using the noble cause of fighting trafficking and serving God as his ruse. And that's in quote. These brave women ask for your patience and privacy at this time while discovery in this case proceeds. Now, again, these are the allegations in this case. Now, we've redacted things. Let's pause right here. We've redacted things like the lawyers' names, um, names of all the defendants, uh, because that's not necessary right now while we're talking about what we're talking about. And it does list uh, many of the people on the board of OUR. It actually lists, and I'll say this because this has been mentioned in the paper, Janet Rusan, who, if we remember from previous episodes and all the news, 
is the psychic that Tim Ballard um, utilized to try to find Guardy Marty and also direct a lot of the operations. So this lawsuit was filed in the third judicial district court in Salt Lake City in the state of Utah. And the plaintiffs are known only by their initials. There are five women, as the statement um, before alluded to. And then, like I said, we have redacted. There are many, many names of defendants uh, because it's pretty much anyone associated with OUR on a board level. So let's scroll down a little bit more. Again, I think, like I said, we're redacted. <laughs> and there we go. Still redacting, still redacting. Okay. So what we're going to get to here are the factual allegations. And again, we're not lawyers. So we're kind of putting this in, <laughs> what would you say, the common terms, Landon, as we understand it? <laughs> That's right. We're, and we're common people. <laughs> so. We're common people and we're tired and it's late at night. So I'm sure if you're a lawyer and you want to comment and say, you guys don't know what you're talking <laughs> we are really literally just trying to, you know, like you'd read the paper to your mom, right? And explain what's going on. So anyway, um, there are... Uh, a large number of factual allegations. And again, these are just allegations. And we're going to go through a number of these, you know, just kind of point by point. Um, so they start out with a quote um, in this suit by Carl Sagan, which ironically, we just read one of his books in our book club last Sunday. We read Demon Haunted World, but he's wonderful. And the quote says, one of the saddest lessons of history is this. If we've been, been bamboozled long enough, we tend to reject any evidence of the bamboozle. We're no longer interested in finding out the truth. The bamboozle has captured us. It's simply too painful to acknowledge, even to ourselves, that we've been taken. Once you give a charlatan power over you, you almost never get it back. And I thought that can actually speak to a lot of things huh, that we discuss on our podcast. But it basically means if you're living in this ruse, this bamboozle, your brain basically is not, it's too painful for you to consider there might be something wrong. And this is why people may ask, why did people stay in this so long? You know, people ask us as post-Mormons, why did you stay in that so long? And it, again, you know, it's human nature. Don't you think, Landon? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, that these women uh, were involved in what they thought was a noble cause and mm -hmm. they jumped in with both feet and they were mm -hmm. anxious to help and they believed yep. in the cause. Uh, and as a result, he was able to take advantage of that belief and that uh, dedication and used it for his own purposes, according to the lawsuit, according, according to, the to the lawsuit and according to the allegations. And that's what we're going to read point by point. So there are um, quite a number of points. We're going to skip over um, some of them at the beginning because they just mentioned names of defendants. They kind of state who everybody is. They say Tim Ballard is this, this, you know, other board members. It kind of goes through that. So we don't need to go into that. We are going to get straight to some of the allegations from the women's testimonies and stories. So I think what we'll do is we'll read, you know, like four or five, and then we'll just switch off and kind of read back and forth. Does that sound good? Yep, absolutely. Okay, perfect. So let's start on number 37. And again, these are allegations um, in the lawsuit. OUR raised money in order to have conducted multiple sting operations to purportedly rescue trafficked women and children, ops, with ops being conducted outside of the United States. Many of these ops included wealthy men with no military training who wanted an experienced vacation, and that's in quotes, where they dropped into third world countries to rescue trafficked children with photo opportunities and stories in the local newspaper of their heroics, all while flying first class. Number 39, 
While promotional and media materials made the ops appear to be paramilitary drop-ins to arrest traffickers and rescue children, what most ops consisted of was going to strip clubs and massage parlors across the world after flying first class to get there and staying in five-star hotels, on boats, and at um, VRBOs across the globe. These ops were a fundraising machine, though they were more show than substance, and the entire OUR enterprises were funded by donors for these ops, many of whom held bake sales and literally donated their widow's might to OUR and Tim Ballard. So you can go ahead with the next couple ones. Ballard became the de facto and most recognized face of anti-child trafficking, which everyone agrees is a most noblest of causes. Ballard became a character of mythical proportions with unquestioned legitimacy. Ballard was appointed as a special advisor to Ivanka Trump in October of 2017. Wow. Yeah. And there's actually even a picture there. A picture there. So, yeah. yeah. He was definitely on the national scene, I think we'll say. Yeah. Ballard was invited by President Jump, uh, Trump to join a White House anti-trafficking advisory board. And... Ballard was appointed to the White House Public-Private Partnership Advisory Council to end human trafficking in 2019. One of so Ballard's kind of closest friends it, is Utah <laughs> Attorney General Sean Reyes, and Reyes was promoting Ballard until just recently to be the next United States Senator from the state of Utah. Yeah, I think I remember that from just a few weeks ago, where he, it's kind of how this all started, right? With the Romney uh, saying he wasn't going to run again, and then all of a sudden, here comes Tim Ballard. So, yeah, I was going to say before, he really has become the face of, of you know, rescuing uh, children who are in those vulnerable positions. So, and again, a lot of things that we're reading here, they have a number beside them. We're just kind of speeding through. So, sometimes we'll read the number, um, but they're just basically these general statements with these allegations. So we're now on number 47. According to uh, General Reyes's webpage, Reyes is the top law enforcement official in Utah, charged with protecting consumers from those who abuse the law, again, providing credibility to Ballard and OUR that was not warranted. So they're saying his association and friendship with Sean Reyes definitely gave him a lot of credibility um, that the donors definitely took seriously, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Now, Reyes is not one of the defendants in this exactly. lawsuit, uh, although yeah. they're certainly saying that he gave a lot of cover and and uh, legitimacy to this operation. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's move on. Number 48. Uh, General Reyes has repeatedly vouched for OUR and Tim Ballard, even participating in an alleged, an alleged I guess that stands for operation, in Colombia, which was well publicized in Utah giving Ballard the cover of the top law enforcement officer in the state of Utah to carry out his purposes, including the couple's ruse, which we've heard so much about, even while consumer complaints and criminal investigations were pouring into his office regarding the improprieties of OUR and Ballard. So I'm assuming that means into Sean Reyes's office. He was receiving complaints, but he was very much tied in with Tim Ballard. So perhaps alluding to those weren't handled the way they should have been. Uh, number 49, Ballard has been, until recently, a business associates and close friends with Apostle and acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, M. Russell Ballard, known as President Ballard, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then in quotes, Mormon. <laughs> this, this, uh, is, uh, this is a little interesting. It says Ballard has been, until recently, business associates. Hmm. So they're saying that he was business associates. Yeah. 
with uh, Russell M. Ballard. M. Russell. M. Russell ba I, I never noticed that until these articles came out that it is M. Russell and Russell M. Who can keep track? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely another item that's up for discussion. You know, how close were they? And I think we've done we've done a podcast on that. Definitely a lot of people have. So well, according to um, this, they're business associates, which business means they're associates. In business together. That's right. That is the allegation here. Um, I'll read number 50 and then you can take up from there. Um, President Ballard has cited Timothy Ballard to students at Brigham Young University, Idaho, as an expert of Book of Mormon prophet Nephi and the Mormon view of American history. That is true. I found a speech that President Ballard gave at BYU, Idaho, um, where he talked about going on a tour with Tim and being very excited to learn what Nephi had to say which one might wonder, shouldn't an apostle already know what Nephi has to say? <laughs> this well, whole thing is just so crazy. Again, this is another little nugget that we're getting because uh, President Ballard says that he's an expert on Prophet Nephi. Mm. Now, if we remember, Janet Rusin is talking to Nephi in these psychic things. So right. we're hearing here that President Ballard seems to know that Tim Ballard has some special connection to Nephi or some special knowledge of Nephi that he has even said that he's a expert on the on the Book of Mormon prophet Nephi. So a few things here that are little nuggets here that seem to be coming out in this lawsuit. Yeah, and it also implies that maybe President Ballard believes that he's actually talking to Nephi, which is really interesting in its own. So, all right, we're on 51 now. Tim Ballard has met with President Ballard in the church administration building in Salt Lake City to discuss OUR's work. Uh, again, remember the church said that they had no connection with him, yet he, according to the lawsuit, he's meeting in President Ballard's office. This, this indicates official recognition of OUR if business is being conducted in the church administrative building as with President Ballard acting as an apostle. Yeah. Ballard has spoken to many Mormon groups across the country, including athletic teams at Brigham Young University. And that's Tim Ballard that they're Tim talking Ballard. about. I know it's so confusing. Yeah. Found, you know, Tim is allowed to go and talk to many of the church's assets, meaning, you know, their schools and their athletic teams. And he's definitely somebody that's out there, you know, promoting and, and seeming to represent the church when he goes and speaks to these organizations and these students. Yeah, and any time they refer to President Ballard, they'll call him either President Ballard or uh, right. M. Russell Ballard. If they just say Ballard, it's it's, it's going to be Tim Ballard. So why did they have to have the same name? Uh, Although having read through some of the witnesses' um, more lengthy testimony and stories, which we won't get into tonight, we're just going through these points. Um, a lot of them said that was kind of part of it. A lot of them felt like I think they might be related, or you know, there was just kind of this affinity thing going on with the same name. Uh, 53, Ballard has authored at least three purported historical books promoting Mormon nationalism that have been published and sold by the Mormon church-owned Deseret Book, which were big sellers in the Mormon community and further created the myth of Tim Ballard. Ballard's enmeshment with the Mormon church further provided him credibility and status in Utah, where the Mormon church is the largest and founding denomination of the state. So he's got top cover from the politicians, and he's got top covers from the church. You yeah, can't get any, need. <laughs> any more than that in the state of Utah. 
Yeah, that is all you need. Although I do understand that Desiree Book has finally uh, pulled all of his books because we looked at that right away, you know, to try to show some connection. And they but were he, there for a while and now they're gone. He <laughs> had one more connection that is just as big as the state and the church. You want to read number 55? Let's read number 55. Uh, Tim Ballard became friends with Glenn Beck, an American conservative political commentator, radio host, entrepreneur, and television producer. Uh, Glenn Beck donated significant amounts of money to begin OUR. So, so you've got church, state, and entertainment all at the top. Uh, the trifecta. The trifecta of protecta, I guess we could A protecta, <laughs> the trifecta protecta. It is late. I'm sure our viewers can tell. What are they babbling on about? <laughs> you know, we're trying to get out this news first thing in the morning. We'll see how we do. <laughs> Okay, 56. Tim Ballard and Glenn Beck formed defendant company Nazarene. And, and by that, it means that Nazarene is also being named in this suit uh, to fight Christian causes across the globe. And Beck gave Ballard almost unlimited access to the Glenn Beck Media Network, which further con contributed to Ballard's credibility. And it is all about the credibility, isn't it, Landon? I mean, why would you even question someone? when they, they are everywhere and everybody seems to endorse them. Yeah. Uh, and, he's and he's really tapped, he, he's really tapped into the media. We're seeing big name yeah. media people all over, uh, who were participants in his operations. Uh, in fact, 57 goes right on to the next one. Yep. I'll read through, I'll read 57 and 58, then you can read 59. And I do want to comment this whole, it kind of reminds me of the Theranos scandal. If anyone remembers that or saw the documentary on Hulu, where a false company was created around a product to test blood that did not work at all because it was very personality driven and woman led. And so many people were involved. Anyway, same kind of thing. Like it went on for years without anyone suspecting there might be something else going on. Um, okay, number 57, Tim Ballard became friends with Tony Robbins, an American author, coach, and speaker who raised staggering amounts of money for Ballard. And uh, amazingly, who just spoke with uh, Elder Bednar. <laughs> That's right, at the Silicon Slope Summit. I swear, all these names start with B. They all start with the same. <laughs> Makes it very difficult to podcast. So, um, And again, we should reiterate, these are all allegations in the suit. They're just listing out the things that all play a part in the women's stories and, you know, things that they're going to prove and bring up in, in the suit. So these are just, you know, and I'm sure the lawyers will say there's a name for that, you know, factual evidence, whatever they call it. But again, we're just going to go through the statements here. Um, documentaries were made of Tim Ballard in OUR and in 2023, a feature film produced by Mormon-based Angel Studios called Sound of Freedom was released. The film claimed to portray the work of Tim Ballard has done and the movie has been hugely successful across the globe, adding to the myth of Tim Ballard. I'm surprised there's not a song, right? Or yeah, a ballad. The ballad of the Tim ballad. ballad of Tim Ballad. Oh <laughs> hey, now I'm like really tempted to write that. I, may I know. To, you know. I do like to write parody songs. I may have to do it. He's a mythical character who. He is a the ballad yeah. of Tim Ballard. That's it. Okay. 59. One Utah artist painted pictures of Ballard and his wife, again, enhancing the credibility of Ballard to an almost Mother Teresa attitude. And I think they included here in the document in the suit um, a picture of it 
This is um, a famous artist that's known for doing very patriotic, very Mormon-centric paintings. And for our listeners, you know, it's it it's a representation of our of, of the original Underground Railroad abolitionists. And Tim Ballard is carrying a child out, and and there are people kneeling on the sides. I think I think maybe one's Abraham Lincoln. Anyway, everybody is you know just absolutely on board and and thrilled with the work that Tim is doing. So. Uh, yeah, this is this is nothing but trying to make a myth out of the man. That's for sure. Um, number sixty. Our OUR reported to the IRS six point nine million in revenue in twenty sixteen, twenty two point three million in twenty nineteen, forty five million in twenty twenty, fifty two point nine three million in twenty twenty one, and fifty six point seven seven three million in twenty twenty two. In the IRS. Uh, 990 form, it is reported that Tim Ballard received a salary of $525,958 in 2022, yet former employees claim that Ballard earned over $14 million through his for-profit companies, some of which was funneled from the nonprofit entity. So they're saying that he, in addition to his salary, he earned $14 million uh, through his for-profit uh, organizations. OUR was making an episode. I'll just say we did an episode specifically on the whiteboard, um, which was a board that was created during a business meeting, a secret business meeting that goes into all these details of how the different companies funnel into each other, how the money moves around. So that's a whole nother thing. If you want to pick up on that episode, that was really interesting. OUR was making staggering profits as Ballard opened for-profit companies, defendants, which were alter egos of OUR and Ballard, and that allowed Ballard to line his pockets with the widow's might. Ooh. Yeah, and, and as they said, defendants, all these companies are being sued. They're all defendants in this lawsuit. All right, let's see, I'll pick it up here. In order, this is number 63. In order to find and save trafficked children, Ballard would receive psychic information from psychic defendant Janet Rusan. Again, defendant, she is listed, named in the lawsuit, about where the ops should occur along with reassurance and justification of everything Ballard did while predicting the future situations the operatives would be in so that they could plan for the next op. Ms. Rusan claims, let's move the page here, that she spoke to a dead prophet named Nephi who directed her about where to locate the trafficked children. I think we did an episode on that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're covering all the hot points here. So um, 64, Ballard used OUR and its ops to fund his personal fantasies of grandeur. Uh, Ballard began a program for women accompanying him on ops and called the program the Couples Ruse. And I think that the rest of these points are going to hone in on this concept because this is where uh, most of the alleged abuses happen within this framework of what he called the couple's ruse. So I think going forward is when we're going to be talking about um, all these interactions that the five witnesses and plaintiffs had with Tim Ballard within this couple's ruse. So do you want to pick it up from there, Landon? Sure. Ballard claims that the couple's ruse was an undercover tool to prevent detection by pedophiles when Ballard would not engage in sexual touching of the trafficked women offered up to him in strip clubs and massage parlors across the world. Ballard would choose a woman who worked at OUR or with OUR or would invite a well-intentioned volunteer to be trained in the couple's ruse. 
The women he chose had no formal training in paramilitary activities or operations, but he knew they were devoted to the OUR mission of saving women and children from traffickers. Ballard and I claimed, just have to say, we have talked about this. We're like, if you're going to do this, and again, the couple's ruse is a woman is with you. So if you're asked to prove that you're a trafficker by engaging in something illicit, your supposed girlfriend can kind of say, not my man. I'm not going to let him do that, you know, kind of protects him. But again, why would you not choose someone that has training, some kind of paramilitary, some kind of former law enforcement, something? It just seems, you know, to take a Utah housewife. And again, I'm probably generalizing. Um, I'm not sure how it all works, but I know that people were very devoted to the cause. And so I think maybe just the complete dedication to the cause is maybe, you know. And it does say in here that almost people. all of the all of the uh, uh people who all of the women were LDS. Um, it didn't say oh, okay. all, it said almost all. Okay. So. Yeah. And again, we, we were not there, so we cannot even speak to what it is, but I did have that question. Why would not someone who was trained with a background now, because it seems incredibly dangerous. It, it just seems like so many chances for things to go wrong. Yeah. And why wouldn't you get one professional to continue to play the part rather than change it up every Train time with a, a different woman? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I had not even thought about that. That's a really good point too. Okay. Are you on number 69? Yep. Okay. Ballard claims that he implemented strict rules regarding the couple's ruse, no kissing on the lips and no touching or exposing private parts. Okay. So he's trying to keep it up above board. Okay. I'll pick it up here. Uh, number 70, Ballard soon began abusing the couple's ruse and eventually used the ruse as a tool for sexual grooming. Uh, 71, as part of either an OP or practice for the OP, Ballard would often share a bed with a woman posing as his girlfriend or invite her to shower in his bathroom, even though accommodations at designated safe houses provided separate bedrooms and bathrooms. And again, these are the allegations in the lawsuit from the women. Let's see. I think we went backwards instead of yeah, forwards. I think so. <laughs> We're scrolling and scrolling. Here we go. Okay. Um, 72. Uh, before they were before they ever went undercover together, Ballard insisted that he first needed to ensure that he and his female counterparts in the couple's ruse had physical chemistry that would be obvious to those they would meet during an operation. So, 73, Ballard encouraged female operatives to participate in tantric massages before and while on a couple's ruse. So, he definitely wanted to have that intimate sort of look and feel uh, beforehand. And in many cases, and we'll probably get into this, told the women that your life and my life depends on this, you know, being able to pull this off and, and look like we're an actual couple. So we need to practice. Yeah. He, he told them that the, uh, you know, that the dealers would be able to smell the pheromones, uh, pheromones yeah. of, uh, if, if they were tell if they were in love. Yeah. I, yeah. Maybe we'll get into that farther on as we read down. Okay. You can pick it up from here. Okay. where do we leave off at? Uh, um, I think 74 is where we are. Okay. Yes. Ballard claimed to be so concerned about the believability of the couple's roost that he frequently asked women to practice their couple's roost long before a mission ever took place. <laughs> to that end, Ballard flew women across the country where they would practice their sexual chemistry through tantric yoga, couples massages with escorts, and lap dancing on Ballard's lap. Ballard also frequented strip clubs in the Salt Lake Valley with these women to practice the couple's roost. Ballard now, that's, and, a, 
piece of information I did not know from some of the other articles. That's what I mean. Some of this was there, but I didn't realize that they were practicing locally in Salt Lake. That's and you think some people would recognize him in these strip clubs. He's uh, extremely well known, but they would have assumed, I think, that he was undercover, I guess. So that would have been kind of hard uh, to okay. be undercover in a in, well, in they would have place where you're well known. Right? But... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he was on, on an op or something. I don't know. Okay, I'll take the next one. Uh, number 77, Ballard included his, included his son, who had just returned from serving a mission for the Mormon church, to the strip clubs without Ballard's wife's knowledge. Okay, that's something else that I hadn't heard in any other media outlet either. So his son is sort of part of the ruse or going along for the ruse, and his mom, his son's mom doesn't know. 78, again, allegations. These are allegations. 78, at the strip clubs, Ballard would pay for and receive lap dances and ingest alcohol and pills at these practice ruse ruses on OUR's dime with donor monies. I hadn't heard that either. Had you heard that? No, this is the first I've heard this. Yep, alcohol and pills as he's really trying to play that part. Uh, 79, Ballard engaged in a ploy where he would tell the women that if they were offered alcohol, which is forbidden by the Mormon church, that she should take the drink and then open mouth kiss him and spit the alcohol into his mouth. And then he would spit it out when the traffickers were not looking. Okay, I definitely had not heard that. Again, an allegation. No, and but if I'm he's ingesting to... alcohol and pills in the practice, why would he spit it out in the real uh, world? Uh, yeah, they're... I just don't even know how that would really work in practice. I mean, I'm just trying to picture. Huh? And huh? And huh? I don't know. Okay, you can go ahead and pick up the next. I'm still trying to process 70. Yeah, this just gets more and more interesting. However, yeah. Ballard was doing the exact opposite. He was consuming excessive amounts of alcohol, tequila, of his own volition, which he drank at strip clubs, massage parlors, and on trips to the point of passing out. For example, he missed a $250,000 speaking engagement a few weeks ago because he was drunk and missed his flight. Through these couples' ruses, both in the office and in the field, Ballard eventually engaged in coerced sexual contact with several women and prepositioned others. Ballard participated in several sexual acts with the exception of actual penetration in various states of undress while on an ops mission. Okay, and these these are details that come out in the women's statements, which are very lengthy in this document, which is, I think, 84 pages altogether. So, and these points are things that are all gleaned from those statements. And again, alleged, these are what the women are saying happened. Um, but there seemed to be a lot of commonality among the statements, which is really interesting. Um, 83, uh, Ballard developed a sexual position where it appeared he was having full or sexual intercourse with his couple's ruse victims while not actually penetrating. Okay. So he's being very clever because I guess, I guess the idea is that even in the privacy of their hotel room, they're monitored. So they really have to still completely pretend to be a couple uh, because although they're, be they're supposedly in safe houses, which means you shouldn't be being monitored if it's really a safe house. So yeah, it's, it's very confusing at that point. 84, uh, while inside private accommodations, when no one else was around that they needed to fool, I guess they're going to talk about what we just brought up, Ballard would claim that he and his female partner had to maintain the appearance of romantic relationship at all times in case suspicious traffickers might be surveilling them at any moment. Okay, so he would kind of say to them, 
we might be being watched. We can't let up for even one minute. That makes sense. Okay, 85. Ballard requested the women he invited to act as his significant other to first have a Brazilian wax. Now, I think this came out um, in the Blaze report because I think they had access to, you know, these details in the suit. So um, that is very confusing because unless you were completely undressed, uh, nobody would know whether you had or hadn't. So that's kind of an interesting detail that we're we're all kind of mulling over, aren't we? Yeah, I, I mean, there, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out why you would want the person that you're going to be playing that role to have a Brazilian wax. I uh, don't know. There's but only he, one he reason obviously... for it. You know, so he obviously used some higher purpose when he described it, you know, so that the women thought, okay, this makes sense, you know. And again, I think it speaks to the authority, right? He's done this before, he knows how to do it, he knows what it takes. You might not understand these details, you know. And so, of course, if you're nervous, it's a terrifying situation, you're gonna go, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you. I don't know why, I can't explain it, but you know. I think that really factored into it. Um, and then a big one here, 86. Ballard would ask each woman, is there anything that you wouldn't do to save a child? And of course, who's going to answer that in any other way than to say, I will do what it takes to save a child? Yeah, this is the most disturbing one to me, uh, this, this one thing here. Yeah, it is. All right, 87, do you want to pick it up with that? Okay. To further convince the women of his need for them on the next ops mission, Ballard would badmouth previous female partners claiming that the women who had allegedly gone on couples ruses in the past were crazy and claiming that they had fallen in love with him along the way. So trying Very to manipulative. manipulate and play them off against each other. Yeah. Ballard used these mythical stories to motivate the women in his couples ruse to prove their mettle and their devotion to the cause by trying to outdo their supposed predecessors. When these women found themselves questioning the legitimacy of tactics involving sexual contact, they often doubted their own instincts, relying on Ballard's breadth of knowledge about rescue missions to convince themselves that such tactics were normal. Yeah, and I think we touched on that. When you don't know and you're in a very confusing foreign situation, um, meaning something that you're not familiar with, yeah, you will naturally rely on somebody for safety that knows what's going on. And in this case, that person allegedly is not safe and is actually taking you into areas where you, you did not ever want to go. Um, let's see, I'll pick it up with number 90. Other employees of OUR would warn these women not to question Ballard or their lives would be put in danger. Yeah, the whole thing was like, this is life or death. So you need to strictly, you know, follow what you're told, or you could put everyone in danger, yourself, the mission, all the other operatives, everyone. So uh, number 91, Ballard would also tell the women that engaging in sex play with him would improve their marriage, even as he also told them not to tell their husbands about what they were doing, or it would compromise the mission, uh, the children, their lives, and other informants' lives. So completely held to secrecy, like completely locked down with only Ballard to be somebody that you were interacting with. Uh, 92, Ballard would repeatedly warn the women that if they failed in their couple's ruse mission, they would have wasted the hard-earned money that honest donors had entrusted to OUR or be caught or killed by the cartel. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine living under that pressure? Yeah, it's, well, really, really manipulative. Yeah. Uh, 
number 93, Ballard would also tell these women that Janet Rusin and or Catherine had chosen them to be part of the couple's ruse. So giving them this, oh, you were chosen. You were. Uh, You're special. Yes. Highly uh, desired for this mission. Uh Number 94, Ballard would use spiritual manipulation to coerce them into sexual contact. Almost all of the women involved are or were Mormon. Ballard began to claim that President M. Russell Ballard had given Ballard permission to do the couple's ruse as long as there was no sexual intercourse or kissing on the lips and had given him a special priesthood blessing as such. Okay, that's new information. I had heard that there were various blessings given to Tim, but I always thought that was, you know, for the success of the mission. Uh, if this is really what he was saying to women, I can completely see why you would, you know, you're deep, deep ops, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you have the the literal blessing of one of the 12 apostles. And so God himself, that is very interesting. OUR management adopted and accepted the couple's ruse as a standard policy and procedure of the company and allowed Ballard unrestrained allowance on how he enacted the couple's ruse. So it seemed like everybody was on board with that. But again, probably a lot of them were still bowing to uh, Tim's supposed experience. You know, he was the boss. He knew how to do this. Who's going to question him the way it's all set up? Well, now we're going to find that he starts to mingle, uh, <laughs> mingle with scripture. Uh, he starts to go. use the uh, Mormon teachings also oh, to my goodness. Uh, get these women to do things. Um, Ballard yeah, would also it... claim that a passage from the Book of Mormon in which a man kills another man on the promptings of the Holy Spirit demonstrates that sometimes the Holy Spirit asks people to perform unconventional uh, tasks. Yep. Um, the most Ballard, dangerous scripture there is, right? Yeah. Don't you think? It definitely has led to a lot of problems. I'll take it from 99 here. Okay, um, shadows Ballard, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I mean. All these things are so related if you start yes. digging. It's just so similar. Um, 99, Ballard would also claim to the women that defendant Janet Roussan, and again, she was the psychic that they were using to guide where they went on all their ops. Uh, defendant Janet Roussan told him that he had been married to them, the women, in a previous life. And so their conduct was appropriate. That's that whole spiritual wifery undercurrent that exists in Mormonism, you know, where you can find that idea. We must have known each other before. Saturday's warrior, right? I knew you somewhere before. It's just this idea. And so behavior. Yeah, although this almost leads familiar. to reincarnation, uh, yeah. which is not an LDS belief. So right. uh, that to me well, is... Uh, it is an LDS belief. It's a very deep, dark, early LDS belief. An early uh, LDS, Joseph but most, was most LDS people today would not right. know that or recognize that and say, what right. previous life, what are you talking about? So Yeah, but Lori Vallow, they definitely dove into that, uh, yes, Jabel, to that they, dark doctrine, they and that's where on that. they took it. So yeah. unless, unless these guys were focused on that, that seems, you know... Yeah, well, it just sounds like more that you want to hear. We have a connection. We've been connected. There's no reason that we can't be really connected now, especially when it comes to the children. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Oh, we're already up to number 100. We're getting there, everybody. 
Okay, this one was another surprise to me. Additionally, Ballard would get ketamine treatments and have a scribe come in with him while he would talk to the, he himself would talk to the dead prophet Nephi and issue forth prophecies about Ballard's greatness and future as a United States Senator, President of the United States, and ultimately the Mormon prophet to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Allegedly. This, if this proved to be true and he's, he's communicating with Nephi and Elder Ballard saying he has a special knowledge of Nephi. Wow. <laughs> That's all wow. I'm going to say is wow. Right. It'll be interesting to see what comes out in discovery, right? Yes. <laughs> Some absolutely. of these things, I think we'll all be really watching that very carefully because yeah. And again, uh, we are on Mormonish going to be doing an episode that we're calling Joseph Smith 2.0, because I'm sure if most of you have made these comparisons in your head, as you go through all the information, there are a lot of similarities to some of the things going on in the early church and especially with the prophet Joseph Smith. So, and right here, this run for, you know, I'm going to be the president. I'm going to be king of the world, basically. So it's just, again, sort of the grander, you know, just sort of this couldn't be more special kind of an attitude. So, all right, 101. Uh, Ballard would also claim to his female Ruth partners that if his wife, Catherine, were to die, he would immediately marry them. Now, that's very interesting. I had not heard that e either. And again, that's alleged claim. Well, especially since these women were married at the time. or I Yeah, some of them were and some of them yeah. weren't. So okay. because I think it mentioned don't tell your husbands or boyfriends. So okay. and again, if, if anyone would like to find a copy of this case file, it's 84 pages long. And the final one third of it are the stories of the women told in great detail. All the points that we're going over now are gleaned from those stories. But all five women give, you know, very comprehensive testimony with thorough and in some case illicit details um explaining what it was like and what happened to them so um 102 102 uh, ballard told one of his victims that when his wife would question what ballard was doing with these women ballard would tell his wife that his female partners kept falling in love with him and wanted to kill catherine so that they could be together well, that's very reassuring to tell your wife. I, I don't quite understand. <laughs> Can you make any sense of that? Yeah. Uh, you would think that she would immediately stop the, the couple's ruse. Yeah. Uh, you would think that exactly. But from other interviews with her that I've heard recently, you know, she seemed like she knew all about it. She had attended some of the trainings of some of these women. Um, she had been there and, and told whoever, oh, I think it was Adam Carolla, you know, some women aren't fit for it and some women we have to bump from the program so it seemed like she might be fairly involved in in some of this at least but yeah that's a questionable one i'm not sure okay i'll, I'll read 103 and then you can go on with 104 uh 103 ballard would insist that the women stay silent about their alleged sexual encounters with him because if they told anyone it would put everyone's lives at risk on the ops mission it was necessary to save the trafficked children and because he was blessed by president ballard to be a future president of the united states and then the prophet of the Mormon church. So if they oh. uttered a word to anyone, the entire world would basically go to hell, right? Wow. And again, <laughs> this president, he can't be the prophet. <laughs> is there any truth to these blessings? Uh, you know, that's another question. Because uh, did oh. President Ballard bless him to be the president of the United States? 
Did he? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's he's claiming it. Maybe he's just doing that to, you know, uh, get the get the women to fall, uh, fall for it. But uh, it adds another know, do question. Do they record apostolic blessings like they do patriarchal blessings? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, discovery is going to be insane. This is. Oh, well, okay. I should okay. point out uh, the the lawyer for the women is also LDS. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe yep. she went to she went to BYU Law School, mm -hmm. uh, from what I read. Um, and I'm guessing that the lawyers for Tim Ballard would probably end up being LDS since everyone had to be LDS right. in this whole thing. Well, there's a huge LDS component in this whole thing. I mean, that, that's what this is all about. That's why this ruse worked. So. Yes, yes. But I would think that in a court case, you would want someone who wasn't LDS as a lawyer that would uh, press matters and say, oh, no, that's not too sacred to go there. We need to dive right. into this. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I wonder. Interesting. All right. 104. Okay. After the women were coerced into engaging in sexual activity with Ballard, he used their encounters to his advantage, sending texts to some of the women that would say something to the effect of, we will have so much S, uh, S H I T I T, I believe <laughs> on each other. Yeah. We will be deterred into silence on all yeah. things forever. There you go. Oh, I, let me read that again because I, I kind of screwed it up by uh, <laughs> not. We will by have, not knowing. Not <laughs> well. Ahead. I knew what they were. I just didn't know how to approach that. We will have yes. so much shit on each other. We will be deterred yes. into silence on all things forever. <laughs> is what he would tell them. Exactly. I mean, if he speaks, she can say, you know, tit for tat, right? Right back at each other. So they both have to be, it's like having um, collateral, like Nixium, right? You yeah. give someone collateral and they've got something over your head the whole time. Exactly. So it was perfect. Ballard gave the women burner phones to use and had them use Signal, a messaging app that keeps communication private. And he frequently demanded that the women erase the digital traces of his conversation with them each night. Interesting. Burn this letter. I'm guessing he said, yeah, burn this letter. Eat this letter. Yeah, again, these things sound very familiar, don't they? I can't wait to do our 2.0 episode. Um, yeah, and again, I'm sure he said for the op, right? You've got to erase any kind of evidence. But I think as I understand it, not all the women did. And I think that there are texts and there are, you know. That, that seems a little, trail. you know, if, if you're on an ops, to gather evidence to prosecute people, why would you want to delete the evidence uh, when that's okay, what you're that, there yeah. for? <laughs> okay, I had not thought of that. I had not thought of that either. Yeah, there, there, I guess, see, I'm falling for it. See how easy it is? Oh my gosh. Okay, all right, go ahead. <laughs> okay, Ballard also threatened the women that he was tracking them with their burner phones and company phones he provided. Oh. Hmm. That sounds that sounds really threatening, actually. Very yeah. ominous. Wow. Yeah, these, why why would he threaten that he's tracking them? Um, that's interesting. To know what they're doing. Additionally, he required the women he asked to go on ops as part of the couple's ruse to sign non-disclosure agreements, claiming it was required to protect the safety of the children and the participants. Okay. And again, I can see why any person, you know, playing the other partner in the couple's ruse would go, that makes sense. I mean, on a certain level, everything makes sense. And when you're in it, it reminds me of Jan Broberg. Are you familiar with that story? She was kidnapped twice as a young girl in Idaho yeah. by her home teacher who set up this whole ruse that he was an alien and, and he did it so well. And of course she was younger, but 
she just had this very idealistic view of things and it worked. She lived in this world for years and years where he continued to abuse her and kidnap her, just living in this sort of fantasy creation that nobody could see their way out. So this reminds me of that a little bit. Sorry, it was a tangent, but I've been thinking about that lately. So again, as evidently he had cameras following him around. So a non-disclosure agreement would be a little odd that they're following you around with cameras, filming everything, but you can't, can't say anything. I mean, I, I'm sure people can say, well, they, until the movie came out or until this, you know, they they weren't supposed right. to talk. But, uh, you know, when you go to a meeting and you have to dis- sign a non-disclosure agreement for a business meeting so they can tell you how they're going to do all of this, uh, you know, it seems a little... He seemed to use a lot of non-disclosure agreements. Let's put it that way. Exactly. Yeah. No, we've heard that word a lot with him. Okay. I'll pick up on 108. Is that where we are? Yes. Uh, Ballard would then threaten to sue the women if they ever disclosed anything about his tactics, practices, or practice ops or the couple's ruse. Well, I can understand why. All right. Let's scroll down a little bit. We're getting to the end, everybody. There's a lot here. Uh, 109. At least two marriages have broken up as a result of Tim Ballard's actions with these women. Now, that's extremely sad. I'm very sorry about that. Um, 110, Ballard offered to pay for the divorce attorney of one of his victims and had a henchman, a henchman, call and threaten her husband on voice message, resulting in the police being called and an investigation conducted. I hadn't heard that. Have you heard mm-hmm. that? No. Nope. Yeah. And that there'll be evidence of, you know, I mean, there'll be police report, there'll be investigation if they can trace it back yeah, to him. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot. That that you can learn a lot from. Um, 111, uh, finally in the spring of 2023, some of the female employees of OUR who had been on these couple ruse ops or practices came forward to OUR management. And that's an important point. They did not go externally. They went internally hoping to get something resolved. They tried to keep it within the company. Um, OUR had its law firm, Holland and Hart, conduct an external investigation, which investigation verified the victim's claims. Interesting. So they said, yes, there's merit. Something is happening here. And this is all within the organization. Okay. Do you want to pick it up from there? Yeah. OUR terminated Tim Ballard. OUR's board of directors, most of whom are related to Tim Ballard or are his good friends, opposed the firing and came to Ballard's aid. A joint plan was hatched between OUR and Ballard, whereby he would resign ostensibly because of the appearance of a conflict of interest with the release of Sound of Freedom, in which he has a financial interest in. Ballard would take a very lucrative severance agreement and remain the face of OUR so it could continue to raise money. As part of the plan, everyone was required to sign an NDA. NDA, there it is. With his image intact, Ballard began the Spear Fund, where he is able to continue raising money from well-intentioned people wanting to end human trafficking. Now, that sheds a, sheds a little more light that I didn't understand. So it sounds like it was all just an inside, here's your severance package. You know, you can keep being the face of it because it's so lucrative. We don't want anything to tarnish the movie. So it was all kind of handled. And I can imagine after seeing that, the women were probably pretty incensed right nothing was really happening to him really um over these allegations and claims that were found to have merit by the investigation so i can understand at that point why they would be very frustrated and an organization whose claim is to stop this type of behavior and to out everybody else didn't out uh tim 
Exactly. Uh, okay. Are we on 118 now? Yep. Okay. Um, OUR remains silent using his face and the worldwide opening tour of Sound of Freedom to raise money and allowing Ballard to continue his grooming, drinking, and sexual devi deviancy all on the donor's dime. This is what the suit is alleging. Uh, 119. Finally, some of the victims of Ballard's sexual exploits are boldly coming forward and filing this action for their damages holding the defendants responsible for this out, their outrageous behaviors to punish the defendants for their actions, to try and prevent them from acting in this fashion again, and to bring light to who and what Tim Ballard is so that the humble, very well-intentioned donors across the world can decide with eyes open whether to donate to Ballard and his organization. Uh, 120, we're at the very end here. Upon reasonable belief and inquiry, upon learning of the couple's ruse and how Ballard used it, the Mormon church excommunicated Ballard. Oh, so in the lawsuit, it's saying that it did happen. The church has never confirmed yeah. this, but the lawyers are saying that it, that it has happened. So okay. again, all this evidence must be there. They're making these um, allegations and oops, 121. The, and I think this is the last one that we're going to read. Yep, this oops, is the last we're one. scrolling around. All right. um, the defendants, including, and especially Ballard, engaged in a fraud in order to engage in sexual relations with the plaintiffs, the fact of which, can you move your arrow? <laughs> the fact of which um, are, I think, specifically set forth in each of the plaintiff's statements and are attached and incorporated there herein. Okay, so we're going to stop there. Some of the points go on, um, but then it refers back to the women who are named only by initials and their testimonies known as Exhibit A, B, C. But what we're going to do is scroll through really quickly to tell you what they are suing for. So these are bolded as we go through. Okay, so the first cause of action, and this is what, what the specific um, elements of the suit are. Um, the first cause of action is sexual assault and battery by all the plaintiffs against the defendant, Tim Ballard. So all women are claiming sexual assault and battery against Tim himself. Now we'll scroll down and find out what the second one is, because I think this is interesting to see how they put this all together and what they're actually suing for. The second cause of action, conspiracy to commit battery and sexual assault by all plaintiffs against all defendants. So they are holding everybody that they've listed on, most of them on the board, as complicit in what happened to them, because nobody came to aid, everybody saw it go on. Let's go to the third one. There's a lot of scrolling in this. I told you it's an 84-page document. <laughs> the third cause of action, fraud by all plaintiffs against all against defendant Ballard. So all the women are claiming against him, fraud. And then fourth, um, a civil conspiracy to defraud by all the participants against all the defendants. So you'll see here that some are specifically against him himself and some are against the organization and everybody who's named. So let's go to the fifth one. They are also claiming intentional infliction of emotional distress against all the defendants. So everybody played a part in this horrific situation that left everybody with incredible uh, emotional distress. And six, uh, outrage against all defendants. I'm guessing outrage must be a legal term, don't you think, Landon? Uh, it must be because I don't think it just, just they being... picture someone just going like this. I'm, it's so outrageous what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the seventh cause of action, negligent infliction of emotional distress against all defendants except Ballard. OK, so in this case, um, they're saying 
maybe not overtly like Tim caused it, but their negligence of not doing anything and not seeing what was going on, um, that would be people on the board and people that were in a position to know or to help um, that they they are being sued. But they did not stop, yeah. They did not stop it. That's right. We're almost done here. The eighth cause of action, negligent supervision and retention of Ballard by all plaintiffs against OUR defendants. So that says to me that they're saying, you guys should have done something about him. Don't you think that's kind of what it says? You guys yeah. should have reined him in or seen what he was doing or checked him in some way, but you didn't. And now you're in the suit. Okay. Let's go on to the ninth cause of action. The ninth cause is negligence by all plaintiffs against all defendants. Okay. So everybody says everybody was negligent. And again, this is just in common terms. <laughs> we are not lawyers. Um, the 10th cause of action, premises liability by all plaintiffs versus Operation Underground Railroad. So I guess that must have to do with um, where the things took place, right? On the operation. The 11th cause of action, breach of fiduciary duties by all plaintiffs against the board defendants. Okay, so now they're going legally after the board. And I'm sure we can have some people weigh in in our viewing and listening audience who are lawyers that can tell us more specifically what these indicate. Um, and I think this might be the final one, 12th, maybe there's one more, piercing the corporate veil against all corporate defendants. So I think that's the last one. Is that the last one? Yep. Okay. So now we're going to find out, now we've gone through all these points, we are going to find out uh, what they are suing for. Because we've, we've gone through all of their allegations. We've gone through who is being sued, who is suing, and now what do they want? Uh, this is called the prayer for relief. Uh, Landon, would you like to read this? This is what our plaintiffs want uh, from the judicial process. Yeah, whereof play, uh, plaintiffs pray for judgment against defendants as follows. One, for general damages in an amount to be provided at trial. Two, for special damages in an amount to be proved at trial. Three, for punitive damages against all defendants in an amount sufficient to punish them and deter them and others in similar situations from engaging in such conduct in the future. And four, for such other costs, interests, expenses, attorney fees, and other relief the court finds appropriate under the circumstances. Okay, and I think that's actually the last part that we're going to read. Like I said, if you um, read this yourself, the case file, I'm sure it's floating out there, or I guess I should say the, the suit document. Um, the, the last half, probably about a third of it, um, are just testimonies of the five women. Details of every operation they went on, details of everything that happened with Tim, interactions with the OUR board. Like I said before, everything in these statements was then condensed into all of those bullet points that we read to begin with. So I have not been able to read through all of these stories. I only got this document a couple hours ago. Landon, have you perused a few I of them? I was just looking I mean, through some of them. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's quite lengthy uh, yeah. and quite detailed on what uh, what they yeah. claim happened. Yep, and I think we covered everything in, in all the points that we went over. Um, but as I was reading through, it was very difficult to read because they're very specific in, in telling what happened. And you can tell that they all had this idea of, you know, just doing this incredibly noble work, this difficult work that not everybody could do for this incredible cause and for 
the children, right? Like Tim said, is there anything you wouldn't do to save a child? And I think that's one of the bottom lines here. So I hope this was useful. Do you think this was useful to people? I hope it was. Well, it certainly has some new revelations that uh, I don't think most of us knew about. And it certainly lays out, you know, what's the what's all the to do about? Well, this is what the to do about. These are the it. charges. Uh, it, it was a little discouraging when we kept hearing that the women confirmed that these that things happened, but they never said what happened. That right. makes it hard to know what level is this to. But now they've come out and specifically said, here are the charges should be noted. Uh, and, and again, this raises a couple questions to me. Um, this is not a criminal trial. Right. This is a civil trial. Uh, right. So Tim is not on, uh, nor any of the others are not on uh, on trial for anything criminal. But it it leads you to question why, when the Davis County attorney did uh, an investigation and found these very same allegations, this is where we're getting all, we got a lot of the information we got came from that investigation. Why is there not any uh criminal charges criminal charges again yeah. this goes back to all this top cover that he seems to have because you're going then if these things happened and they investigated this and they found that this happened and they talked to these women we know they talked to these women as part of the investigation why would they not have filed any criminal charges in this case i think somebody needs to answer that question somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. No, and, and I feel this is just the beginning. Honestly, there have been a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. I think the suit finally says, okay, here are our cards on the table. And now there's going to be a lot going forward. I think we're just going to have to keep watching and podcasting because it's, I mean, it's a tragedy. I mean, let's not joke. It's a tragedy all the way around, you know, that this situation even happened. And I think that's all we can say. And I know other podcasters are going to pick up on this. I know um, other podcasters with a legal background are going to tackle this and give us some more of the really hard hitting information that'll shed more light on it. But we just wanted to read through it and, you know, just let everybody know this is kind of what we've been waiting for. This is what the women are alleging. This is what they are saying they've gone through. And we'll just have to wait and see what else comes out, won't we? Yep. I think there's yeah. going to be a lot. Uh, this this is yeah. probably going to be as interesting as the Vallow case. Uh, you know when what? I think so trial. too. Yeah. And there are so many parallels, I think, in a lot of ways with psychics and past lives and you uh, know, manipulation and living a fantasy. And I can't see how something like Dateline or 2020 can't, doesn't pick up on this story and start yeah. uh, getting national press on it. It is just such yeah. a strange uh, and national uh, story that it needs to be yeah. picked up by some of these outlets. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it obviously will be, I think still a lot of people just know sound of freedom. I think a lot of people don't really understand. So especially a lot of people in the faithful community that, I mean, I think you mentioned a lot of your relatives had probably never heard that this was going on and they just love the sound of freedom and well, and and that's that's the it. danger is you look at the sound of freedom and you say, oh, but that was so powerful and you know we needed this and we needed a voice and all of that. But in the end, this organization turned out to be doing the same thing to the to these women if yeah. these allegations stick mm -hmm. as to what they were alleging was happening to the children they were trying to protect. So yeah, uh, that makes it. A, a tough pill to swallow.
It is. Like I said, it's a tragedy. So anyway, uh, comment, leave your comments. Let us know what you think about the situation, what you know about the situation. If you're a lawyer, tell us everything we got wrong. <laughs> no, it's all about information and, and getting the information out so people can understand what's happening. Um, so like and subscribe to Mormonish. And if you would like to be made aware of when new episodes come out, you can hit that donation or sorry, the uh, notification bell. God, it is late, isn't it? It's actually, what time is it, Landon? It's like midnight. I'm I think not it's kidding. midnight it, it and is, we're getting it close. It is late. We are trying really hard to get this out tomorrow morning for everybody. So um, yes, the notification bell. And if you'd like to donate to Mormonish, uh, we have links in the show notes um, for Venmo and for PayPal. And again, we appreciate all of our viewers and our listeners so much. And we love it when you communicate with us. So let us know what your take on this whole situation is, because I think it's an ongoing thing that we are going to be talking about for months to come. So thank you, everybody. Bye-bye from Mormonish. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.